on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick won't be discussing much because Nick is on a break, but worry not, the main dude will surely fill an hour or so of your time as he riffs on the latest episode of The Bad Batch, aka The Rancor One, as well as a few other pertinent Star Wars topics. These include a possible solo series based on Bob's Flub, an interesting interview of plans for J.J. Abrams, and an old quote from John Boyega on returning to Star Wars. He'll wrap this one-man show with the return of the fully-fledged fan segment, which will include fan responses to the question of the week and another round of the top five Star Wars fan artist feature time. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody, and I had to record this a day later because I forgot to record my stem for episode 164. But I just wanted to give you a hey now and didn't want you just to inject you into the episode without our opening phrase. So now I'll turn it over to myself. Take it away, Matt. We'll make sure to team up again next week. But uh, this week you're stuck with me, so you had a, a, a solo Nick. Then we teamed up last week, did an audio only uh, on Monday, and now it's a solo mat. So not quite what you probably were expecting, probably not what you paid for, but you get what you get when it comes to the SWTS. And, and there's some stuff to talk about this week. You know, we got Bad Batch S1E5 to break down and get into the controversial topic of who is Moochie the Ranker. We've got some stuff on JJ from a recent interview he did. We've got some stuff on Boyega from an old interview he did. And, uh, you know, all the other fun stuff that could pop up during a, an episode of the Star Wars Time Show. So, you know, bear with us. One more week will be somewhat back to normal. Not that this show is ever normal. Speaking of which, I've already forgotten to record my own stem. So I still have not shaken the vacation dust out of my brain. And yes, if you are watching on the screen, I still have a vacation neck beard. Uh, the shirt looks even tighter than normal, so the, the sausage casing look is in effect. And my face is looking a little more full, so I, I enjoyed myself these past two weeks. Uh, you know, drinking some beer every day, eating some normal food like the rest of you Americans who try to poison your body and clog it up with fat and cholesterol and all that nonsense. But... Uh, it was enjoyable. It's been a little rough to try and get back to reality. You know, real work started again today. Uh, doing the show again. So, so I got to try and snap myself back out of that, that beach mode. But I, I've never done two weeks at the same beach. So uh, it was nice. It was nice to uh, just get away, stay in the same place for 14 days. Uh, good weather, especially for a Northeast coast. I was surprised at the weather, but it, it was fun. Got to see my mom for the first time in over a year. Uh, my little five-year-old absolutely loved that and got to see just how much more emotional she is now. Cause when she had to say goodbye to her G, holy shit, 
my little one is a full-fledged human these days in terms of the, uh, the emotions and, and getting sad and realizing what it means to say goodbye to someone you love and you won't see them for a few months. So uh, the trip was great, really good. I mean, obviously, I I love to uh, love to talk about Star Wars. I'm an idiot. I still haven't broke myself of my OCD. I uh, still covered two Bad Batch episodes on vacation, <laughs> did one podcast, mixed two others. So I, I'm still not able to fully separate myself from the SWTS, as many of you have figured out, but uh, I'm getting there. The writing's on the wall. We, we, we've lost some of our popularity. I can hardly get anyone to respond to the question of the week now, and it just seems like we've our luster's worn off, which I get, you know especially uh, coming from me. I'm either pissing people off. Uh, I'm either too woke for people, too loud for people. You never know. But we're not changing. So those of you that are still around, we love you. We speak your name and we will never apologize. You know what I mean? So before we get into the topics, got a few uh, just life things to discuss. I'm uh I'm mixed up again in the old meme stock race, this time with AMC. I'll blame that one on the intern, and, and this time I'm, I'm definitely one in uh, much higher than I've ever uh, gambled in the market, especially on something like this that could crash or skyrocket to the moon in any second. Uh, so I'm mixed up in that. I made some horrible moves in crypto right when it was crashing. Uh, but hey, tax returns, what else are you going to do with it besides light it on fire in the crypto market? Uh, like I did, but I have full faith in the crypto. The blockchain will survive. It will return, and all that money I dumped into it will actually be worth the money, uh, the value it was when I actually invested it. I'm hoping the same thing on the on the stock front. The other thing, though, get like pop culture wise, some things I want to touch on. Um, people still send me games to review now and then because of my you know 10 plus years in the gaming industry, at least from a media standpoint, media member. E3's next week. We speak your name. We love you. Uh, but someone sent me a code for Biomutant. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's one of these like hugely popular AAA games. It's from THQ Nordic. Uh, I, I know it came out last week, but again, it was on vacation, and I only paused vacation for Star Wars. Uh, but I finally fired it up this weekend, and I, I must say, while it's far from perfect, it, it's an action RPG, a very deep RPG, in a very unique setting, essentially, where, uh, you know, I think the allegory is man fucks up the world because we're assholes, we polluted it, and did so much that it ended up essentially mutating animals, and they end up kind of becoming the, the master race as the humans perish. Uh, but they're all, they're all kind of jacked up. Uh, for example, my lead character, which, you know, you can kind of create their skills, their class, powers, you name it, their look. He kind of looks like a, a raccoon and a fox with one eye and a cheetah hand, uh, but it's got a real buff body. So he's kind of, he kind of looks like me. He's short, stocky, and mutated looking. Uh, but the game, quite frankly, is super deep for a, I don't know, I'd call it a smaller AAA title. Uh, but, uh, like, if you're in the RPGs, third-person action-oriented RPGs, even if it might not be perfect, th this is a game to look at. And the stuff that's a little wonky, I've already heard that they may be addressing in a patch, such as the narrator who reads every fucking word on the screen at all times. Uh, that's a little annoying. Some of the combat feels a little flighty. 
Uh, but overall, I'm digging it. It's one of those games where you just, once you get out of that opening 30, 40 minutes where they're holding your hands, it truly opens up. You can go do this side quest over there, this main mission over there. And uh, the world's fun. I don't know. Uh, like I said, I, I haven't made a final judgment on it yet, but so far, so good. I do agree with some of the critiques out there already, like the narrator and and really the way they organize the main part of the narrative and the main gameplay is kind of goofy. Uh, the narrative doesn't quite suck you in. I think if it had a a stronger story or more cohesive approach to it, I would be glued to this game. Uh, but I've I've already dumped in about six, seven hours, so Biomutant. So far, so good, right? I'll be dropping probably my final review on the old Entertainment Buddha YouTube later this week. So check that out if you are into the gaming stuff. If you're on the live stream and you're looking there behind me, you see uh, one of my new buddies that showed up. So on vacation, I had over $1,000 worth of hot toys, Star Wars hot toys show up at the house. Luckily, I have good neighbors that didn't steal them or try to sell them for food. Uh, but the one I have kind of still in his box hanging out there is uh, IG-11. So he showed up. What up, Brando? Liam, Big Amish. I'm glad some of you returned. Uh, I always get a little concerned when we go off the air for more than a week or so that people will truly forget about us because it, it's easy to forget about the Star Wars time show. I don't blame people. We're clearly not that enthralling or engaging or badass enough for people to set their clocks or to keep talking about us in their IG stories and sharing our shit, but, but I get it. Um, hopefully some of you come back. We've got seven people watching right now. Numbers have been dropping, but fuck it. We're used to it here at the Star Wars Time Show. Um, so we speak your name. Love that some people showed back up. Uh, Brando Beach is great. I did a little bit of that earlier on, so if you want to recatch uh, the replay, if you will, uh, I talk about that. But it, it was a good time just trying to get the old mind back to Work mode, Star Wars mode, doing the thing. Got to lose a little bit of weight. I'm feeling a little puffy. Lots of good eating and drinking, like I said. Uh, but so anyways, uh, Biomutant toys showed up, but I also got the heavy, the heavy hot toys finally showed up. This one took three attempts on behalf of the lovely people at Sideshow. I'm not going to go into that. Luckily, they finally figured it out, but... Um, that was the third time they tried to ship me the heavy, which I ordered well over a year ago and paid good American money for. At least I figured it out. I was on vacation. I let some of that hate go. And then the last one, I'm not even going to try to lift it up, but the Hot Toys one-to-one uh, Grogu finally showed up. And so, like I said, I returned to about $1,000 worth of Hot Toys Star Wars Barbies with one of them, the one-to-one Grogu. Um, so I um, hopefully unbox these and, and get back to shooting. I have not... Yeah, Big Amish, my Rex is delayed too on Hot Toys. I think that happened to uh, anyone that pre-ordered him got that delay notice. Uh, but in terms of the hobby some of us get into, it, it's been, I don't know, four or five weeks. Some of it was my second uh, vaccination shot. Some of it was work. Some of it was uh, my dad bailing on us and not helping watch the little one. Um, but I don't know. I, I haven't done a shoot, like I said, in five weeks. I haven't even, I don't even think I've posted to my personal IG in three weeks, maybe four weeks. It's just, I don't know. It's been nice to kind of get away from it. 
Uh, but I am getting that that burn again, especially with all these badass uh, Barbies showing up to to break out the camera, do a little shooting, some portraits maybe, maybe even get a little action oriented because I still got a lot of fucking toys to shoot. Uh, it's it's helped me. The backlog in toys has really helped kind of limit buying some of these new Black Series that have released. Although I will admit, as much as I didn't want to, I did get caught up in the fucking Target exclusives. Uh, luckily, I haven't overpaid yet. Uh, I just randomly found General Skywalker and the pilot yesterday through Target, just right on their online site. Kenobi showed online or in stock too, but he disappeared before I could get him. So. I still have to get Echo and uh, General Kenobi, but I did get Skywalker and Hawk, so I didn't think I was going to get mixed up in that shit, but I did, so I'm not fully broken of the uh, 112 gotta have them all type of feeling, even though I keep pissing money away on the 1-6 scale. Hey, there he is, Super Scoundrel. Oh, by the way, I want to make an announcement. Get back to shooting. I have not, yeah, Big Amish, my Rex is delayed too on Hot Toys. I think that happened to every, uh, anyone that pre-ordered him, got that delay notice. Uh, but in terms of the hobby some of us get into, it's been, I don't know, four or five weeks. Some of it was my second uh, vaccination shot. Some of it was work. Some of it was uh, my dad bailing on us and not helping watch the little one. Um, but... I don't know. I, I haven't done a shoot, like I said, in five weeks. I haven't even, I don't even think I've posted to my personal IG in three weeks, maybe four weeks. It's just, I don't know. It's been nice to kind of get away from it. Uh, but I am getting that, that burn again, especially with all these badass uh, Barbies showing up to, to break out the camera, do a little shooting, some portraits maybe, maybe even get a little action oriented because I still got a lot of fucking toys to shoot. Uh, it's, it's helped me, the backlog in toys has really helped kind of limit buying some of these new Black Series that have released. Although I will admit, as much as I didn't want to, I did get caught up in the fucking Target exclusives. Uh, luckily, I haven't overpaid yet. Uh, I just randomly found General Skywalker and the pilot yesterday through Target, just right on their online site. Kenobi showed online, or in stock too, but he disappeared before I could get him, so... I still have to get Echo and uh, General Kenobi, but I did get Skywalker and Hawk, so I didn't think I was going to get mixed up in that shit, but I did, so I'm not fully broken of the uh, 112 gotta have them all type of feeling, even though I keep pissing money away on the 1-6 scale. Hey, there he is, Super Scoundrel. Oh, by the way, I want to make an announcement. We have two mega fans that guessed... Kind of our Pee Wee hurt our Pee Wee's Playhouse word of the day game we did last week. Uh, so if you didn't listen to the last episode, shame on all of you. Seriously, shame on you. But we kind of put a little little trick in there, a, a loyalty test, if you will. You know, we we like busting balls of our our diehard fans, and we gave a a word to remember and report back if you listened to the cast last week. So that'd be I think episode one sixty three. And the first one to reply, we got to give him credit, is Klondike Studios. All right, so cheers. Cheers to Klondike. He's a diehard. I tip my hat to him. He even listens to this stupid show when we're not doing a live stream. So thank you, Klondike. And then the, the second one to report back, and he even got kind of the, into the Pee Wee's Playhouse aspect of it, uh, was Johnny Osage. So thanks, fellas. We, we do appreciate that type of dedication. 
just know it's always in good fun. I mean, we're, we're never going to force people or expect people to tune in every week, but you know, we, we like to fuck with you guys because remember from our, from my feedback, the main dude, right? The main dude is a little off his rocker. Um, okay. So Liam's give me some advice here. What will definitely garner views is if you and Nick did reactions to Bad Batch. Yeah, like watching stuff and just, I, I don't, I'm not saying Liam's wrong. He's talking about reaction videos where literally you people just tune in and watch either myself or Nick watch an episode of The Bad Batch and just kind of see what our, our face does live. Uh, I'm not so sure why that's any different than my breakdowns where I'm explaining exactly how I feel about each episode while also dropping knowledge on people's faces. But that's the internet. That's the games you got to play. So so we'll see. We appreciate the uh, ideas, Liam. Uh, it just it is what it is. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of getting used to the fact that we're, we're, we're never really going to take off. We're never going to be darlings like some other people that, you know, all their contents always shared, linked to, all that fun stuff. It's because we're a bunch of dipshits. What are you going to say, right? I'm down with that. All right, so we got the new toys. Talked about Biomutant. Oh, another one. And, you know, you get some of you people, some of you Tommy Tough guys may roll your eyes at this. But the Cruella movie is pretty fucking great, all right? I'm not going to lie, like, even if I went and saw it by myself instead of doing the premiere with my uh, wife and daughter at home, just premiere access through Disney+, Plus, I wouldn't have felt bad for going to see it. It's fucking good. Uh, Emma Stone is a boss, plain and simple. I mean, she she clearly um, sells the movie as well as Emma Thompson. I believe that's who plays the the older fashion designer in the film. But I found the, the origin story of Cruella DeVille to be pretty damn great. Just good acting, fun little plot, little dark. I mean, it's, a, it's not your typical Disney movie, uh, but it's really, it's the acting and the way the lines are delivered and the scenes are acted that, that really sold it for me. But uh, I, I wouldn't even say I'm a hardcore Disney person. In fact, I didn't go to, to Disney for the first time until I was almost 40 ass years old. Uh, so I'm not like some of you or, or like my buddy Nick, who's like the, you know, Disney king, the Kool-Aid drinker. They go a few times a year. Or if you live by one, you go every damn day. Um, but I was, I was a fan of Cruella. Uh, it, it makes me want to go rewatch 101 Dalmatians just to see how the, the, the light connections tie in. Uh, but it was a good movie. I still need to catch Army of the Dead. I'm trying to catch up on some of the man stuff uh, from the vacation because I couldn't sell uh, my mother, my wife, and my daughter on watching Army of the Dead as a family, as a family movie. Uh, so I need to, to catch that myself, hopefully this week. And I think I am going to make a, make a trip to the movie theater for the first time in over a year to go watch A Quiet Place Part 2 because I love Emily Blunt. I love the first one. And I do think this is a movie to see in theaters. And I'm, I'm double vaxxed. I'm following the science, right? I've always followed the science, so I'm going to stick to it. I can't cherry pick it. They say we're good, then I'm going to believe it, right? But I guess I'm a lemming. And I'm going to fall off the cliff now, right? Yeah, vaccinations. All right, James English, you really haven't missed anything yet. Just a bunch of bullshit, but I'm about ready to get into the Bad Batch breakdown. I can't remember any of the other randomness that I wanted to discuss. 
So now it is time to talk Bad Batch S1 E5, aka Rampage, aka the Rancor one. All right, so let, let, let's get into this. There's probably going to be some controversy, but I, I expect that to happen. I've done my due diligence. You know, you, you can think what you want to think, but I'm going to tell you how I thought. So let me go ahead and, and, and pull up my post here. Let me get some of my notes so I'm not just rambling everywhere. All right. Here are my notes for Rampage. Another great episode. I know some of you were in our Discord bitching about filler, and it's the same thing over and over again. And I just replied to that. It's like, well, you gents would just like this show to be five minutes long a piece with nothing but a bunch of pew-pews, roll credits. Let's get on to the next thing. Um, I've gone over my whole spiel on people saying Star Wars content is filler. I mean, I love this slow burn shit. It just builds the world and builds the character. Each and every episode, we learn a little bit more about the batch as a whole, as well as individuals, but we also get a, a, a deeper dive, a broader look at the state of the galaxy. So... Don't bring that filler shit to me, my friends, because I highly disagree. Uh, all right, so, sorry, here, it's a little hectic to drive all by myself without having Nicky Boy around. Uh, if I don't address some comments from the live stream right away, just know that's because I'm not directly looking at it, because I got to do a few other things while uh, Nick is not here. All right, so. Overall, Bad Batch S1E5, again, the one with the Rancor, uh, I, I enjoyed it, all right? I mean, I, 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 I kind of like the episodes where we, we dip in on the Empire bit as well as the Bad Batch to kind of get a, a, a little bit of an update on what the two factions are doing, but I was quite all right with how this episode played out. You know, a lot of it thanks to the references, some of the cameos, and I, I just, I don't know, I, I enjoyed the episode. I, I thought it was humorous. There was a little mystery behind it with the whole character of Moochie and wasn't they thinking it was a little girl and it ends up being a baby or an adolescent rancor. Uh, so I, I, I did dig it. I like the character of Sid, who if you didn't know or if you didn't watch my videos, come on, people. Every Friday I do break down every episode, try to hit the references and eggs. And typically my record's pretty strong if you compare them to the official StarWars.com episode guide and their what they call their trivia section where they kind of highlight references and eggs. Um, but I, I liked Sid, who was voiced by uh, Ray Perlman. And I, I guess if you're a younger Star Wars fan, you're probably going, well, who the hell's that? Well, she's married to Danny DeVito, but she played a... A real fun character on a show called Cheers way back in the day. So uh, it was nice to kind of hear her voice as Sid. And I just, I liked Sid as a character. Uh, and I have a feeling Sid's probably going to pop up again. She did get her own poster, I believe, which released on Monday or today, which typically means the character will be recurring. And she kind of hints as much at the end. I don't know if everyone caught that moment, but she looks at Hunter and says like, hey, you, you guys are you know, essentially you're, you're pretty valuable targets at this point in time. And knowing the type of business she operates, you know, she, she definitely operates in, in, in the shady side of, of the empire at this point in time. Uh, there's a good chance she may be selling them out and probably to Fennec herself. 
Uh, but either way, yeah, fun character. She had some cool stuff in her office I'll be talking about when I go through the Easter eggs and, and key moments. Um, but overall, enjoyed the episode. I don't care if you all think it's filler or not. It's filling out the world at this point in time. It's filling out the characters for us. It's, it, it's expanding on their personalities, their dynamics as a group. I mean, just, just look at the growth Omega had this week. You know, she starts getting yelled at for wearing Crosshair's thing and using it like a toy to essentially saving her brothers in arms. Uh, so she, she's growing. She has her bow now that we saw her having in the trailers. So it's not filler, people. Just take it, take it for what it is. It's expanding the universe and the characters, the action, the hurt, the joy. It'll all come. I mean, to you filler people, do you think Luke's arrival would have hit as hard or paid off as much if it happened in the first episode of season two? No. We needed all that to play out from episode one through seven. We needed the mystery, the guessing. It can't be Luke. There's no way it's going to be Luke. It's going to be Ezra, or maybe it'll be Cal, right? All that was fun to kind of guess and speculate versus just kind of getting that, that sexual gratification right from the get-go. So I'm okay letting Bad Batch or any of these Star Wars series stew and world build because we know, I know at least, I have faith in, in Floney et al. That the, the, the high moments are coming, the impactful moments are coming, the memorable moments are coming. And I think they're going to be that much more meaty, heavy, whatever you want to call it, thanks to episodes like Rampage where we do get just kind of the dynamics of the team explored a bit and how they work together, how they care for each other uh, and just meeting other people in the universe. So overall rampage, I enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and, and get into the, the eggs and references that I highlighted. And I did double check in the official trivia guide. I did hit on uh, most of them, if not more. So the first one was pretty easy. It was a name drop of, Ward Mantell, which uh, I said was first, it first appeared in at least the, I believe the Son of Dathomir comic, but I was corrected by the official trivia guide, and apparently Han mentioned it in Empire Strikes Back, I believe, when he's talking to Leia about, remember those bounty hunters he ran into on Ord Mantell, kind of convinced him that he needs to get Jabba his cash. Uh, so I, a little bit of a correction on that one, but... Uh, still a good little name drop. All right, so at Sid's place, if you look in the background, we got a little Dejaric table going on right here. And this one I called out. They didn't mention it in the uh, official StarWars.com episode guide, but that Hammerhead guy, while he may not be the Ethorian Hammerhead from A New Hope, dude's definitely wearing homie's blue sweater, which in turn was on the Kenner action figure that released for Hammerhead. So uh, this is a very similar Easter egg to me to what they did in the final season of the Clone Wars, where you got uh, Kenner figure Greedo, I think Kenner figure Ponda Baba, stuff like that. So I I'm, I'm taking it beyond just a Dejaric table in the background and also highlighting the fact that this Ethorian has uh, the, the same blue, what is it, a onesie? Uh, that was featured on the Kenner figure way back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. All right, so Sid's office is packed with shit. 
packed, not with literal shit, no, you know, no bantha poodoo or anything like that, but just lots of collectibles, which turn out to be Easter eggs for us. Um, so just in this image, I mean, we got a, you got a clone pilot helmet. Looks like you got a phase, was that a phase two, phase three clone helmet there. I, I even speculated that little cube could potentially have been a, a, a holocron. The horn there could be from a mud horn, all right? I mean, people didn't challenge me on these, so I just kind of threw them out there. Uh, but if you also look, I think I, I have another screenshot coming up, uh, but she's got fucking Proto Fett's helmet hanging on her wall. Now, the, you know, Star Wars, they just said it's a Mandalorian helmet, but, but anyone worth their salt, you know about Proto Fett. Proto Fett was the very first time... I believe, I don't know if it was Jeremy Bullock, but whoever, they had this person dress up in all-white uh, Boba Fett armor back in the day, before they were even Mandalorians, because he, he was supposed to be like a, a special Stormtrooper unit, which, I, which is why I believe Fett was all-white at first. So that's why we call him the Proto-Fett. Obviously, he, he moved on to become Bozo-Fett, and then ultimately, thanks to the Mandalorian Neo-Boba, my favorite version of the character... Uh, but Sid definitely is locked and loaded with her eggs, Easter eggs and references in her office. All right, we also got a, a nice little kind of a, 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 an in-universe line, if you will, some in-universe jargon, a callback to the clones and, and how they are birthed or created when Sid asks the clones, basically, what, are you, are you fresh out of the tube? Uh, which is a nice reference to their upbringing. And there, yeah, like I said, you get a, a clearer look at the Proto-Fet helmet there. Uh, so th that's Proto-Fet 100%. Don't let anyone else tell you that's just a regular Mando helmet. Uh, that's as white Proto-Fet as it gets. Black Series collectors, you know what I'm talking about. They, they made a figure of them. I don't think we have a Barbie-sized figure of the Proto-Boy, but uh, definitely the 112 scale. Ah, and there's our buddy Wrecker, who... I will be talking about, and some of you I can see in the chat here, Big Amish is on to it. Dan the Man's liking the Ranker callback just like me. We'll get into that as well. We'll get into some of the controversy over the Ranker because, hey, it's Star Wars, and we can't just have nice things and agree on stuff. But I digress. All right, so uh, like I said, th this episode was kind of heavy. This is probably the, the beefiest one we've had yet of the Bad Batch in terms of references and Easter eggs and cameos, and all that fun stuff. Uh, but Sid mentions, and we ultimately get to see them, the Zygerian Slavers, um, which is a race that was first featured on screen in the Clone Wars Season 4. It's actually, uh, these are the Slavers I was talking about maybe three or four episodes ago when I was uh, kind of lampooning the episode arc and where the Jedis get captured by them, but somehow can't free themselves from neck collars, but then they can. When they feel like it, it just seems silly, like the Jedi were just being dopes. Uh, but we did get the return of the Zygerian slavers, who now, we have learned, have had to move off of their homeworld of Kadavo uh, due to the shady shit they were doing with slaves in the Republic busting them up. But, thanks to the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire, you can see how shady people like this start to kind of come back into play. All right, so the next little egg or reference we got right here is before they, they attack the, the, the slaver outpost, 
Wrecker gives us a Kuat mention when he talks about a mission they had on Kuat. And, you know, obviously that is a, a planet that's been mentioned a few times before in the Star Wars universe. So we had to mention the good old Kuat. I think it's a Kuat drive yards is what we've heard about before. There we go. My man Hitty is saying Bandai. Yeah, there is a Samurai Proto Fet. I have that as well. Uh, although I don't really collect the Samurai line anymore, but I, 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 when I was caught up in it and I got sucked up into that fever, I did get the white Proto Fet Samurai. Good call there. On the other slave. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess, but then why all of a sudden did they start fighting back? I don't know. It, it still seemed like an odd. An odd mission, an odd play by the Jedi, in my opinion. Um, especially Ahsoka, who wasn't around the other slaves. She's literally sitting in a box, and then out of nowhere, when there a few of the other Jedi come in from the Republic, she's like, oh yeah, I can take this thing off my neck and get in the fray. So it was kind of silly. All right, so we uh, there, there's Wrecker and his Quat mention here. This is a Brezik. These, again, are native to Kadavo in, in the Sigerian's home planet, which is why they're riding them, and they can tame them. I remember in the trailer, I was like, is that a baby Zillow beast? Clearly, it is not. All right, our boy Bib Fortuna. Look at this. Bib is kind of having a resurgence with Disney Star Wars. I mean, we, we got him... Uh, you know, he kind of got blasted at the end of the Mandalorian season two, but still got some screen time. And here he is back in the Bad Batch. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a it's a nice little egg reference to a character from Return of the Jedi. But this is also the the second cameo of the episode because this uh, it, Bib is voiced by Matthew Wood, who also voiced General Grievous and who also played Bib Fortuna in the Phantom Menace and in the Mandalorian. Uh, I believe Matthew Wood also voiced the lead Zygerian uh, slave leader, too. So uh, it's always fun to see him come back. I, I always like Matt Wood's career is is interesting to me because he actually started out, I think, as, as an apprentice to Ben Burt, who is the lead sound designer on the original trilogy and the prequels. And I know Matt worked in the sound department and he somehow pitched himself as a, you know, to do voice work and, and got the Grievous voice and then, you know, really has done uh, other voices in animated Star Wars and so on and so forth. So I don't think he was a traditional voice actor. He just kind of stumbled upon it through his work in movie sound design, uh, which is neat and makes me jealous. It's like, fuck, there's another person who, I, I never want to say lucked into it, but yeah, let's say his skills got him there, but, you know, there were some lucky moments that, that probably allowed him to voice some of these characters and become these characters that are now iconic and, and fan favorites, such as Grievous and, and Bib. You know, you know, Bib, he's kind of a, a slimy little rat guy, but I think the fans still dig him. All right, up next, we're, we're already getting callbacks or references to Bad Batch itself, but this still has a light attachment to Rogue One, clearly with Jin Erso's little uh, Stormtrooper doll. Uh, but I love the fact that they showed Omega personalizing it, so taking it from a just a traditional clone doll uh, and making it Bad Batch, calling it a girl. Essentially, it's her Bad Batch figure. So I found that to be a nice uh, reference, a wholesome reference, if you will. I know some of you angrier types are probably vomiting in your mouth, but I like this type of stuff. All right. 
so these two, why the hell am I looking at them? Good thing I have my notes. Oh, the shot callers. The same thing I was bitching about there and K-Dubs kind of brought up as to why uh, the Jedi couldn't free themselves from them. But yeah, these are the same collars that the, the Jedis could not rip off uh, until they felt like it. And we, we do learn eventually that Wrecker has enough steroids to rip them off himself too. But another reference slash egg, if you will, to the Clone Wars and the Zygerian thread. All right. So here's the big one. And I'll, I'm going to lay out my case here. And obviously everyone can have their own opinions. But I'm still going with Moochie. Even though I know it retcons Patissa and some shit about, what is his name, Maliki or Maliki, how the, you know, the fat guy crying at the end of Return of the Jedi after Luke murders uh, Moochie. Uh, but here's the deal. I, I want it to be Moochie. I believe it's Moochie. The writer says it's Moochie. And the official StarWars.com site, the trivia guide, left this Rancor's name very ambiguous in terms of is it the one we see in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi? So I'm going with Moochie is the one. Patissa, retcon, disappear. It's, a, it's another Rancor, whatever you want to say. So here, here's some, some of my evidence to that. So like I said, the writer of this episode, Tamara Becker-Wilkinson, in a tweet that was sent to her from, uh, what is this, Kay Tonarella. Nice work on today's episode of The Bad Batch. Love all the references and action throughout. Return of the Jedi is going to be different when I rewatch that one again. Poor Moochie. And then the writer responds, right? Go easy on her, Luke. So there's that. So in the writer's mind, Moochie, as I kind of took, is the rancor we see in Return of the Jedi. But I'm not going to completely close the door on those of you that want it to be Patissa or however the hell you say the name, which I don't know if it was established in Legends or Canon at this point in time. Obviously, if the, if the Maliki guy and Patissa were established in Legends, then Moochie definitely is the rancor. If they have some canon to it, then hey, th this is another aspect of the story group not quite figuring their shit out. But again, this if you're on the live stream, I'm looking at the official uh, episode guide for Rampage, the one with the Rancor. And of course, in the trivia, they cover it. And here's what they say. Moochie, the young Rancor rescued by the Bad Batch, is delivered to Bib Fortuna for Jabba the Hutt. As we know from Star Wars Return of the Jedi, the slimy crime lord enjoys keeping these creatures as pets. So... They leave it very ambiguous. They don't say it one way or the other. They could have right here squashed this bug and said that's Moochie or it's not. They didn't. So they're allowing the, the fan debate, the retconning from the writer to kind of play out. So don't yell at me. I've had enough of the yelling on YouTube. I, I corrected some people. Uh, but I'm going with this is Moochie just to kind of keep the tie from this era to the original trilogy, I like that type of uh, lore building or, or lore correcting, if you will. And I don't know, it just, it just, she just felt like that rancor in appearance, in attitude, you name it. So to me, Moochie is the one that Luke wipes out. And until someone comes out, not that they need to, because who gives a shit? It's just a fucking rancor. Uh, but until like Dave or someone comes out and says, no, this is exactly what that was. Then, like I said, it's they've left it ambiguous at this point. Writer said it was Moochie. 
whoever runs these episode guide breaks breakdowns left it open. I mean, all they did in the, the official post is they have a shot of Moochie and a shot of the Rancor and Jedi right next to each other. And then uh, that little description I read to you a little bit earlier. Um, hey there, Tones. I see you, buddy. I, I, I saw your vacation pick, so enjoy. Don't worry, you're not really going to miss anything too excellent here. We're just in the middle of the, the Rancor debate of 2021. So that, that's my take on, on Moochie. For me personally, I'm going with that is the Rancor. I know some of you will not. You'll, you'll hold on to the Patisa stuff. But there is some strong evidence for my case. Uh, and the ambiguous post on StarWars.com kind of leaves the door wide open uh, to figure out whatever the hell you want. So that, that's my, my call, my speculation. When you're doing this shit at 5.30, 6 a.m., sometimes you got to take a stand. And that's what I did. So I'm going to die on the Moochie is the ROTJ Rancor Sword. Okay. Well, not done yet. Still going through some of the Easter eggs. So the, the, the green aliens here, the ones that we probably, I know I at least did, thought that the little girl was the Moochie that Sid wanted, but we learned that was not the case. But these are Fallenes. I think that's how you say it. Uh, Fallenes have been uh, featured in the Clone Wars, and we saw them final season when... Maul was talking to all his crime lords, and I swear it was Prince Zizor, but apparently he's still legends. But Prince Zizor was a falling. Uh, so these are a, it's a known alien race in Star Wars, and, and they are typically green looking like this with those sharp facial features. So it's a nice little reference in this episode. Uh, the Zygerians, busting out in the light whips again. So that's a reference back to the Clone Wars and their uh, kind of form of torture on their slaves. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that Hunter was able to kind of kick this guy's ass, even with a light whip. You know, Rambo clone is always going to win in a one-on-one -on -one match. Oh, Sid, why do I have your picture up here? Oh, okay, I like this one. And this is a, another one that people probably, you know, just let go over their head or just passes through your ears. And you're like, okay, whatever. But Sid, and, and I really do think... Outside the Mandalorian, she's one of the first people, Star Wars characters, to refer to the Bounty Hunter Guild. All right, she specifically says she, she got her intel on Fennec, who we did learn now is a fledgling bounty hunter, but working on a, uh, a direct commission. So she didn't go through the guild for her Omega contract. I'm still going with uh, the Kaminoans have this set up and not the Empire. But she did directly mention speaking with the guild and having a contact within the guild. And I don't know about you all, but I'm going with that contact is none other than our boy, our superstar, Grief Karga, a.k.a. Grief Cardboard. I would love to get an animated Grief cameo in Bad Batch. I think that'd be pretty fucking sweet. Hell, I'd even like to get an animated Din. You know, you, you got to think at this point in time, he's he's just a little teen, maybe just starting out, getting his training, uh, learning the ways of the Mandalore from the nut jobs. That is right, because remember, he is part of the Kool Aid drinking faction of Mandalorians. All right, so those are the uh, Easter eggs and references I picked up. I, like I said, I double checked with StarWars.com, and I, I definitely hit what they had and, and added a few more. So you're welcome. Please make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel because every Friday after every new episode of The Bad Batch, 
I typically get a breakdown up there and the views are going down. So check them out, pass them around, treat them like it's a beer, give it to your best friend, tell them to have a sip, and when they're done, make sure they subscribe. All right, so let's get into the, uh, the key moments here. Top moments, key moments, important moments, whatever you want to call it. Uh, first up, Omega getting Crosshair's comm device is definitely a, a key moment. Not only does it signify the fact that she is becoming one of the team, she's becoming a functional team member, but it's just that it's kind of like that one last connection to the character of Crosshair that the team had, and, and they've now given it to their new member in Omega. Uh, and I don't know, there, there's a part of me that feels like this this communication device may come in handy when shit gets squirrely the next time they run into Crosshair. Because I'm still holding out that Crosshair is going to redeem himself, albeit after fucking shit up and, and, and probably doing some damage, if not taking out one of his former brothers. Uh, so Omega getting his comm device is a, is a big moment. All right, that, that just isn't throwaway stuff. Like I said, it, it not only brings her closer into the group and working with them on missions, as we saw in this episode, but it's just it's that connection to that character, their former brother. All right, this is another one on Omega, and I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but when they first go to meet Sid and, and, and the Bad Batch in particular, Echo, they're like, hey, we need to find Sid. Where's Sid? Sid literally is like, there is no Sid. Go fuck yourself. And then she walks away. And then Omega just walks up and she goes, hey, you're Sid, right? And Sid's like, hey, you're smarter than your, your friends. It just, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe Clone Force 99, they really are that dumb or gullible and do take people's at their word. But to me, it was almost like Omega sensed Sid's lie could feel it out and we know what people have that can do that and that's typically a connection to the force uh, I, I think a lot of us at least us diehards that you know go a little bit deeper than just the episode I think a lot of us are kind of banking on the fact that Omega is going to have some sort of force juice I've even seen comparisons now that you know maybe her juice came from Palpatine himself if you look at her hairstyle and sometimes the way she stands, she pretty much matches his poses and her little hair flip matches his as well. Uh, so there's, there's a chance she, um, if she is force sensitive, maybe they're using a little Palpatine juice. But either way, her, her sensing this kind of like Devin's saying here in the chat, uh, it, it was like she, she read the mind. So, uh, but she could be, she could definitely be very observant. It just felt like there was a little, little midichlorian action going on here when she called Sid out on her lie. All right, and, and I've seen some people in our Discord. I've seen it on IG, and I think even right here in this live stream chat. But there is a, at this point in time, if you're not keyed into the fact that there's something up with Wrecker's chip, you watch these episodes either too high or too drunk. Because uh, this episode, it was a very in-your-face moment where it was Hunter and Wrecker, they're on the ship talking plans, and Wrecker's literally sitting there like, oh, my God, ah, oh, ah, you know, kind of like he talks, like, oh, like that big gorilla. Um, this is foreshadowing to the max. I mean, it was two or three episodes ago when I pointed out the fact that when they crashed, Wrecker said, ow, my head hurts, and he's holding it right where the clone inhibitor chip goes. All right? 
Wrecker is 100% going to go haywire. Now, what is that going to mean? Like, is he just going to turn into a mindless animal, which he kind of already is, but he at least has control over his strength? I don't know. I mean, if Omega is Force-sensitive, does Order 66, does, does that allow them to sense Jedi? I don't know how that's even possible. But he could become a danger to Omega, clearly a danger to his brothers. But there's something going on with Wrecker's chip, and it, it, it's either going to kill him, lead to his death, or lead to uh, some pain and suffering at the hands of his brothers due to whatever he does after he completely loses control and the chip kind of takes over like it did with Crosshair. So just, just keep your eyes on this. Your boy's been calling this for a few episodes now, uh, but something's not going to go well with Wrecker and that chip. All right, so uh, some would argue and be like, Matt, what the fuck are you talking about? A gonk droid is a key moment? Hell yeah, it is when you get the name of the gonk droid. And it's, it's funny that we finally got the, their Bad Batch's droid's name, which is aptly called Gonky. I'm guessing Wrecker named that one, right? That, that sounds like a name Wrecker would come up with. But it was, just, it was funny because last week, Nick and I were just talking about how the Bad Batch is one of the first Star Wars shows where they don't have a main droid. And I'm like, nah, dude, they do. I'm telling you, the Gonk droid is their main droid. I know Wrecker just kind of uses it as a dumbbell and Omega was sleeping on him. But the fact that he actually has a name and it's Gonky confirms now that Gonky is the main droid of the Bad Batch series. So, Gonky, we speak your name. All right. This was a big moment. I I'm glad we got to see it. I, I, I felt like, you know, she was staring at that weapon or whatever. It looked like an axe or a, a crossbow in Sid's office. Like you could tell she's getting ready to start committing acts of murder or mowing down bad guys. Um, but just based on the trailers and, and you know, we, we saw her in the trailers kind of shooting an energy bow and we're like, where'd she get it? Is she, you know, night sister base? Well, now we know exactly where she got it. Uh, she gets her energy bow light bow, whatever you want to call it, from her the, the battle the Bad Batch had and herself with the Zygarian slave traders in, in this past episode. Uh, so, I don't know. I just, I, I like I said, it, it's these little filler moments that I actually enjoy. It's like, all right, now we know. We don't have to speculate anymore. There, there's nothing magical about the bow we saw her wielding in the trailers. Uh, she just picked it up off the battlefield and it has become her weapon and i think it's a perfect weapon for omega's style okay um and and i got a lot of this in the fan question a week for those of you that actually took the time to respond thank you but the the wrecker v moochie fight and then their subsequent bond was just fantastic uh wrecker again i mean he's clearly the comedic relief uh, but the guy hasn't disappointed me yet in terms of just providing laughable moments, fun moments in every episode. <laughs> in his fight with Moochie, especially at the end where they're just drunk boxing each other. You know, they're both just worn the fuck out, trading blows, trading blows. And then they collapse on top of each other as kindred spirits. And then obviously we see their bond towards the end of the episode. Omega's riding on his back. Wrecker's talking to it like it's his pet. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's a key moment outside of the fact that 
I'm going with Moochie is Jabba's Rancor in ROTJ. Uh, but I just, it was a standout moment for me in this episode. And then finally, a key moment, and, and I, I kind of like this information too, but we, we really learned a bit more about Fennec and, and who she is at this point in time. And we learned that she is pretty much a brand new bounty hunter. Uh, like, like she's new to the scene. Sid didn't know a lot about her. The guild doesn't know a lot about her. Uh, but we do, we, we do learn that she is a bounty hunter, even though in, in Mando... And we'll probably see this transition, right? Because in Mando, she is specifically described as an Imperial assassin. That's very different than a bounty hunter. Like, Boba Fett was never really described as an, an Imperial assassin. He was always a bounty hunter, even though he typically, at least from my knowledge in the movies, worked for Vader and the Empire... Uh, but he was always a bounty hunter, where we now learn that Fennec at least started as a bounty hunter, and potentially, maybe through this journey, gets uh, enlisted, hired as an Imperial assassin. And, and like I said, I, I do think whatever she's going to do throughout Bad Batch will probably lead to her becoming that assassin for um, Empire contracts, or a merc. I mean, who the hell knows what she is? But we did learn... If anything else, back at this point in time, Fennec Shand was an upstart bounty hunter, and the bounty she has on Omega was not done through the guild. It was a direct commission, and I'm going with the uh, Kaminoans did it, either Nalase or Lamasu or both. So keep an eye, on, eye out on that, but she's not hunting the Batch, she's hunting Omega, and she's doing it as a bounty hunter, first time, upstart, maybe second job. But either way, it's not commissioned through the guild. So that was just, I don't know, I like that type of information, even though it seems somewhat irrelevant. All right. So that is that on the Bad Batch S1 E5 breakdown, the Rampage episode, or as we like to call it, the Rancor episode. Uh, I don't know. I, I wish we'd, we'd start getting at least the titles for the upcoming episodes so we could do a little speculation. Uh, but it seems Bad Batch is in a cadence now where, you know, very similar to the Mandel. I'm not saying you guys that were sad or complaining about this being filler, but also saying like, hey, this is following the same kind of trajectory as a Mando would. But that's great. Uh, but with that in mind, we, we really didn't get any Empire in this episode. So I have a feeling we'll be checking in on Crosshair in episode six. And I, I would really like to think that we're getting closer and closer to the Batch meeting up with Rex, which I am really looking forward to at this point in time, because as I've blown speculatively a few times here, uh, he clearly hasn't shown up yet. So uh, I, I would like to get either the title or the episode names earlier by the time we record the show, but that just doesn't seem uh, that's going to happen for this series like it did for some of the others. Uh, but either way, good stuff. I'm I'm, I'm Bad Batch fan for sure. Highly looking forward to episode six and the subsequent, what, we'll have nine, ten more after that. And then it's a little bit of a waiting game for the Book of Boba on Disney+. Plus. But if anything, next week, I believe, on, was that Wednesday? Loki. Loki is hitting, and that looks like a fun sci-fi fantasy-based Disney Plus show. Okay, so let's go ahead and put the Bad Batch to bed. See ya.
and let's talk about some Disney CEO flubs. Are they flubs or are they not flubs? That is the question. Uh, so I'm talking about a post that uh, we were tipped off to in our Discord. Thank you to Scion for that. And again, anyone listening, if you want to you know, continue on with the Star Wars time show shit show after the live streams on Tuesdays or the audio drops on Wednesdays, uh, feel free to join our Discord. I believe the uh, invite link is in our, our Instagram profile. Just hit the link tree there and you can join in and check out some of the memes, tones, or hideous are dropping in there. Or just get into some of the spoiler conversations, general uh, collecting conversations, you name it. We're here for you, even though there's not many of you that are here for us. But anyways, this uh, Disney CEO story, it's kind of a uh, funny one here. And uh, I'll be interested to see what the peanut gallery thinks if they care to comment. But Disney CEO Bob Chappick, they like their bobs over there, their white bobs to run Disney. Uh, but he was at some sort of media event, some deal, and he, he was dropping a quote about some of the content that his teams are working on for Disney+. Plus. And, and I'll read it, and, and you process it as you, you want to. It really could just be a word mix-up, uh, but I don't know. I, I feel like this is a, a subconscious mishap, a, a subconscious foot-and-mouth moment. So here we go. So this is what he said, and, and the, uh, the tricky stuff happens in a little bit. Just bear with me. I want to give you the whole quote for some context here, and I'll read it like a CEO. In the end, as you know, in entertainment, it's really all about content. I think over the next, basically, by the end of the year, we've got six Marvel titles. We've got Black Widow, We've got Shang-Chi, we've got Loki, we've got Hawkeye, we've got Miss Marvel, we've got What If. All these great series coming to Disney+. Plus. Are you listening? Get ready for this next part. We've got Han Solo, or I mean Boba Fett from Star Wars. Boba Fett from Star Wars. And we've got Monsters at Work from Pixar. All right, did you catch that? Did you catch that, anyone? I mean, again, here, I'll read it again. So he's talking about all the Marvel stuff they're doing, then he slides into Star Wars, and he says, we've got Han Solo, or I mean Boba Fett from Star Wars, Boba Fett from Star Wars. He, he says Boba Fett from Star Wars twice after catching himself. And, and Tones is saying that um, he thinks it was a, a purpose slip I don't know if he did it on purpose. Like, I don't think if there is a solo series in the work for Disney Plus, he would do it this way. I do think he, it was on his mind tones. And, you know, sometimes if, if you think about something you don't want to say, if you think about you're going to mess saying something, uh, you will mess it up because you're thinking about it. I, I think it's one of those deals. Like, he knew. Someone told him, like, listen, Bob, you can't say anything about solo yet. And he's like, ah, shit, I'm just about to go give a talk. And sure enough, it was at the top of his mind, and it, and it came out. So, I don't know. Take it for what it is. It could just be a straight-up flub, word flub on the, on the part of Bob Chappick. Uh, but the fact that he had to double down, like, no, I mean Boba Fett from Star Wars. Boba Fett from Star Wars. Uh, so, who knows what that means? 
it can mean a few things. Let's kind of take this thing two different ways. Uh, clearly, it could mean Solo is going to get a second life in Disney+, Plus, which, quite frankly, I would fucking love. I know there's still some people out there that are clutching those pearls that Solo is a bad film because of whatever. They, they hate Disney or they hated Ryan Johnson or TLJ, and somehow all that shit gets mixed together. Uh, but Solo is a, a good fucking movie. It, it's a different type of Star Wars movie, but it's still Star Wars. It was fun. I liked Alden. I know some people hate him as, as young, young Solo, but whatever. I, I think that the ensemble cast gelled well together, showed a lot of potential for future stories. Uh, I, I would love to see more live action Maul, Kira, you know, get into his time with Crimson Dawn and, and how he goes from that to being the crazy guy we see in that temple in Star Wars Rebels. And then obviously Han and Chewie getting in with Jabba for the first time, be, uh, becoming one of his main uh, kind of smugglers. There, there, there's a ton of potential for Solo to get more screen time, be it big or small. Uh, but some other avenues uh, we could take Bob's comments. You know, maybe Han Solo shows up in the Book of Boba Fett in a flashback. You know, we, we've talked about we better get at least one flashback in the book of Boba Fett. And that's an explanation of how he lived the Sarlacc pit. After that, if we didn't get any more, I think we'd all be OK because we'd be getting all Neo Boba and seeing what he's up to. But you could definitely argue a, a Han Solo flashback in a book of Boba series would make a lot of sense, especially with the War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries they're doing right now and how it's literally about Boba Fett losing Han Solo and Carbonite to other bounty hunters and him just kind of being passed around the galaxy as a uh, casino chip to go cash in at Jabba's Palace. Um, we could also get Han Solo in the, the Lando series. So... I, uh, I'm never going to close the door completely on more solo. I, I just, I think there's a lot of potential. Uh, you got the cast. I wouldn't let it go too long because everyone is getting, getting older, but I think it would still work. Uh, but Bob, he said what he said. Take it for what you will. I will take it as I hope it wasn't a flub, and I do hope solo is going to get some form of, of second life. So solo haters, let me have it. Tell me how stupid I am or how woke I am for liking Young Solo. It does not fucking matter. All right. Uh, kind of sticking with past Star Wars stuff and people involved with Star Wars talking about Star Wars. Uh, there was a, an interesting interview with J.J. Abrams that posted this week. I, um, I forget the site that had it. Uh, Collider. So Collider did an interview with JJ. I think it was it was to honor the 10th anniversary of Super 8 and the fact that it's coming out on 4K or some of that bullshit. Uh, but but naturally, when you talk to someone like JJ, you're going to ask him about Star Wars because that's what people want to know about. Uh, JJ, you could argue, is, is a, a somewhat controversial figure in the Star Wars universe because he did have his hand in, in producing two of the sequel movies, even though the, the third one kind of got dumped on him and he had to patch some shit together. But that, that's kind of the gist of what the interview was like, at least the question that was asked him. Uh, he, he was kind of asked about the fact that the sequel trilogy from the get-go never had a cohesive narrative plan. 
meaning there was no cohesive narrative in place for all three films that the writers and directors had to adhere to. And I'm not going to go down that road again. I've said it a million times on this stupid show. That's exactly why the sequel trilogy didn't pan out the way a lot of us wanted it to. Each of the movies, you can definitely argue, standalone, have some really great moments, are fun. But if you put them together as a trilogy and try to get a a cohesive tale out of it, it it fails miserably. And that's because from the get-go, they never had a plan to have a cohesive tale. The plan was always three writers, three directors. So they asked JJ about that. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? And he said, well... I do think that there's nothing more important than knowing where you're going. All right? So he said that. His other quote was, You just never really know. But having a plan, I have learned, in some cases, the hard way, is the most critical thing. Because otherwise, you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize. Because if you don't know the inevitable of the story, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever. But you want to be leading to something inevitable. So I I, I think you can read into that. Hideous feed looks live to me unless someone else can tell me otherwise. Uh, I hope it's not. If it isn't, I'm just going to keep going and, and release the audio. Uh, but from my end, it looks like we are live and streaming. So fix that kangaroo antenna and get your ass back. Uh, but anyways, back to this JJ deal. So if you really unpack what he's saying, I think with, with hindsight and probably even when he was going through it, because again, he, he didn't want to do the third movie. They kind of came back and probably said, here's a boatload of money, help. Uh, but But what he said in that quote is... While, you know, shit happens and sometimes a plan can also screw up a film, uh, in this case, you need to know where you're going, right? You need to know where the story is going to end. Uh, You can't just get in there and pass batons and, and have these creative handoffs and expect the other creative type to continue on and, and kind of follow some of the the narratives that were teed up for them. Uh, so I would, uh, I mean, rather than listen to me read the guy's quotes, just we have the post up here. The interview is also embedded on StarWarsTime.net, the home of the Star Wars Time show. Uh, but it's like a three-minute clip when he's talking about the Star Wars stuff. Uh, but my impression, based on his answers, were like, yeah, yeah, we, we should have had a plan for the Star Wars trilogy, if anything else. Which we all know at this point in time, and it is what it is, right? Uh, but I'm not going to be one of those fans that just sits there holding like, oh, I hate this, I hate the new stuff, I only like the stuff I like. I'm down for any Star Wars, I'm going to experience it and then form my own opinion uh, versus kind of letting the chatter out there direct how I appreciate the Star Wars universe. Okay, JJ, thank you for that. And like I said earlier, we got another interview from a former Star Wars cast member, and this comes from John Boyega himself. And I, I don't know, like, this is an interview. I actually remember watching this interview. I think it took place last year during the, the peak of the pandemic. 
um, I don't know if it was before he really got involved in all the, the, the BLM stuff that he did so excellent with, uh, but he was doing an, an interview with someone and they essentially like anyone would, they asked Boyega, would you ever return to the star Wars franchise? And like I said, I don't know if this was before his big GQ thing came out where he called out Disney star Wars as he should essentially saying like, Hey, you knew what to do with the with the white people, you didn't know what to do with the people of color in terms of himself and Kelly Marie Tran. And here's what he said. And I think, I know it's not going to sit well with a lot of you, especially those of you that hate Kathleen Kennedy. But I think it, it shows a lot about the way the core cast, the main cast felt about who they worked with at Lucasfilm uh, when they made their three movies. Because this is what John says when asked if he would be open to returning. Whichever way, I am open to the conversation as long as it is Kathleen, JJ, and maybe someone else and the team. It's a no-brainer, right? So this blew up. I mean, this wasn't just covered by bozo sites like StarWarsTime.net. I mean, this this was on Entertainment Weekly. Uh, It's like people didn't hear this quote last year or didn't pay attention to it. Uh, but it did blow up because it is, uh, I mean, l- let's be real. It, anytime you mention Kathleen or even JJ with certain Star Wars fans, it's it's clickbait potential. So I, I understand why it kind of made the rounds, which is why I picked up on it uh, to talk about. Um, but he, he's pretty much drawing a line there. Like, listen, Star Wars to me is good if Kathleen and JJ and the, the, the core team, probably the team he started with on TFA, Uh, are involved and that's it um we've heard him talk before about tlj and he hasn't come out and just said i hate ryan johnson but i think it's pretty clear he was not a fan of where ryan took his character took the character of rose Uh, he he definitely had some issues with that and I, and I, i i get that i mean jj clearly intended for finn to be force sensitive even from tfa i know i was a doubter back then but it it definitely got confirmed in in tross so take it for what you will i know some people probably hate boyega because of the color of his skin because people suck uh i i I think the guy's a talent i liked what he brought to finn i i definitely think he could have done way more with finn if they gave him a chance we were seeing it in TFA, then it kind of went away in TLJ, and it just didn't feel right by the time JJ tried to put a few band-aids on the character in Tross. But uh, I, I'd be down for for seeing all the all of them come back, John, Daisy, and Oscar. You know, let, let's let's give them another chance. It's not their fault that the that the powers that be made a very very stupid creative decision with the sequel trilogy and not having a plan, right, JJ? Uh, so I'm for it, but based on some of the comments on the post on our Instagram, I can tell others are not. But that's Star Wars for you. So John, I'll take you back if you want to come back. All right. So before we get into the fan segment, that's right, we've already made it to the fan segment, going about an hour nine minutes. The show definitely gets a little skinny. A little skim milk, if you will, when there's only one host. And that's just fine. I've got, I've got a game to play, a game to review. I've got wood to chop, wood to haul. But before that, we got more Star Wars to talk about. But before that, I've got a word 
from our sponsor. That's right. Support for the Star Wars Time Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming because they're the champions of the world in that department. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer to you, our fans of the Star Wars Time Show. We love you. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off and free worldwide shipping if you use SWTS at manscaped.com at checkout. All right, Nick got one, I got one, I've been using it religiously now. Shaved my pits last week at the beach. Nice and smooth, no trimmer guards on it, that ceramic head, no nicks, no cuts. Uh, there's there's uh, guards on it so you can set the hair length, if you will. You know, maybe some of you want a bushier bush. Well, you can use the trimmer guards, which have sizes one through four. If you want to shave yourself in the dark, you can do that too with the Lawnmower 4.0 because it has a 4000K LED spotlight on its multi-function on-off switch which, if pressed correctly, even has a travel lock, which came in handy for myself when I took it to the beach and threw it in my Chewbacca toiletries bag. No battery drain, thanks to that multifunction button on the lawnmower 4.0. Did I also mention that it has wireless charging? That's right, you could use one of your pucks for one of your phones to charge it, or the included wireless charging system that comes with the lawnmower 4.0. So men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. Just listen to me. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. Just ask our fans who have followed through and have now trimmed their pubes. They no longer have them in their mouth and they are happy customers. All right, so it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped, the Lawnmower 4.0 to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about your testes. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. Your balls, myself, and Nick will thank you. So don't forget... As I forget to put up the, uh, the, the ad banner here, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just don't forget to use code SWTS. It will help you unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right. Huh. <sighs> So back to it. Let's, let's go ahead and switch gears. We'll get into the fan segment. Uh, apparently Nick has self-killed the battle bracket. I don't think he's done shit with it since the two weeks I've been gone. Not sure what that is. Maybe he was taking time off in his head. Uh, but we have no updates on the, on the battle bracket. But we are going to get into some... Um, we're going to get into some fan responses. 
Yeah, look at Tones. He's saying their boxers shorts are outstandingly good. I agree, Tones. Uh, I, I also got a pair of the Manscaped boxers. Thank you, Manscaped. Add. And they, they really do feel great. I mean, they're, they're like the boxer briefs, but they're super breathable. And they keep those testicles nice and snug while also allowing them to drop if you get a little too warm. So uh, thank you to anyone out there in the SWTS universe, uh, the diehards or even just casual fans that used SWTS at Manscaped.com. I guess we'll find out soon if we sold enough shit. Um, but let's, let's go ahead. Let me, uh, let me get the fan segment prepped here. This is always the trick when I don't have Nick here to kind of fill some of the dead air as I'm making moves on the board. So we need to, let's go ahead and hide the browser. We'll bring up Slack. There we go. All right. So as we've been doing with the question of week, last week we took off just because I made an executive decision. That's right. I am the CEO. I am the C-sweeter of the Star Wars Time Show. And I was like, damn it, Nick, we're doing the show on Monday because it's raining here at the beach. And I don't want to miss Tuesday when it's not going to be raining at the beach. So that's kind of why last week was a was a gorilla cast. We just kind of came at you from nowhere, dropped it uh, audio only on a Tuesday instead of Wednesday. But it's also why we missed the question of the week. But we're back this week. And as I pledged, the question is going to always be about the most recent episode of The Bad Batch, which seems to uh, not really get anyone excited. Uh, I think we got like five or six comments this week. So good job, you lazy motherfuckers. <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of it is just IG probably hiding our stuff. Because again, if you're not liking our posts at this point in time, we'll just disappear from your feed, even though we have you know, 10.3 uh, followers now. So thanks for that, everybody. Um, but here we go. So the question of the week was, what was your favorite moment from the Bad Batch episode with the Rancor? See, now I'm actually adding uh, uh, some, some topical moments from the episode to maybe get more people a little more engaged. Because I think just doing S1E5 was a little too much for some of our fans to look up and be like, what the fuck episode is he talking about now? Well, we're talking about the Rancor one. So let's go ahead and see what some of the fans had to say. And uh, spoiler, it's a lot of the same stuff, but I had to fill the segment, so here we go. All right. Up first, we got our, uh, we got our buddy Young Liam. So Liam Smart Photography. I really liked the battle between Wrecker and the Rancor. I especially liked it when they were both tired at the end of the fight and they were basically just trading hits. It was definitely a funny scene, and it made me like Wrecker's character a bit more. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, we're going to get a lot of these. I agreed. I, I, I even included it as one of my key moments of the episode. And, and Wrecker really has become, I don't know if I'm going to call him my favorite Bad Batcher, but maybe he is. I, I just, he is Lenny of Mice and Men. He's just a big lug. Uh, he's got a big heart and a little brain which can be dangerous and probably will be deadly once his, his chip kind of freaks out. Um, but I am definitely a huge fan of Wrecker and loved his uh, little skirmish with Moochie. All right, Bears Black Series. So our Papa producer is getting in on the fun here just because no one else comments. So we got we to gotta fill the time. But what Spencer's saying here at Baron's Black Series, I enjoyed watching Wrecker bonk the Ranker on the head as they challenge each other. Although his head pains continue to worry me. Hashtag good soldiers follow orders. So clearly, 
uh, Spa Spa Spencer has been listening to Senpai. Senpai's me. All right, look at this. Grief Cardboard, our guy. I'm not going with a moment per se, but I fucking love Moochie, that adorable little menace of a ranker. I just loved her energy in this episode, just tearing shit up, beating on the Zygerian slave traders. I'm also so very glad that she is not the ranker from ROTJ and that there is hope that she's lived a full life of eating people and pleasing Bib Fortuna or Blob Fortuna and ultimately that fat shit Jabba. So grief, I addressed this before. Take it for what it was. I don't think you can just make a hard call that Moochie is not the rancor based on the writer of the episode and the fact that StarWars.com kind of hedged their bet and left it ambiguous. But if you want to believe in it, I guess that's why they made those choices. I'm going with Moochie is the rancor that Luke murders. That Sith, see? He was channeling the dark side early in Return of the Jedi. It wasn't just when he was fighting his dad. It was killing an innocent, lovable Moochie the Rancor. And then uh, our, our last one, well, not our last one, we got one more. My man Hideous got one in late night or early morning, if you will, for the Aussie crowd. Well, we got Mark a lie higher, Mark a lie higher, something like that. The fight between Wrecker and Moochie was definitely the best scene, especially at the end with the mutual respect they show for each other. Yeah, like I said, I mean, we, we I, I've touched on this, but it, it it really, as it was explained, right? I think Eka or no Tech was the one explained that uh, in in Rancor society, uh, typically the alpha is decided by whoever beats the shit out of the next alpha. I guess very much like uh, gorillas and silverbacks and some other uh, male dominated uh, animal kingdom members. But yeah, it, it's just like you know, Wrecker kind of became her guy. And they were just, they were bros or sisses or whatever you want to call it. So uh, I agree. That was, that was definitely fun. Like I said, it, it made my key moment list as well. Oh, we got a couple more. We got Liam Meredith Toy Photography too. He's got seeing Bib and the Gammy Guards. It was nice. It's always nice to see Bib. And like I said, it was cool that Matthew Wood is still getting to uh, portray that character all these years later because he did play him in The Phantom Menace. And then here we go. This comes from Star Wars Toy 73, a.k.a. Darth Hideous. He's got a long one, full of spelling errors. So here we go. Remember, we read them as written. I love this tucking show. Or maybe he's given up swearing. I don't know. I love the deep cuts and care we get from this show. I love the feel of family this show has. I also love the foreboding that's woven into this show. I'm, I'm guessing foreshadowing we've just seen bib fortuna fur the second time since jedi we know how his story ends but not how he lived well we now know he was jabba's errand boy to be fair mochi was a serious errand seeing wrecker slug it out with a baby rancor was a highlight for me. All in all, this is a great Star Wars content, but I feel like the simmer is about to be turned up to a fucking boil. How's that for commitment? Waking up at 2.45 a.m. to write that. Well, we thank you. And it does look like we are having some data issues, but the stream seems to be uh, running. So those are our uh, fan questions of the or fan responses of the week. Uh, make sure if you ever want to get featured on the show and have your response read and potentially ridiculed or made fun of, 
Make sure to be following us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Leave a comment or reply to the story when you see it, and you will have a chance of SWTS immortality. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the final part of the show and the fan segment itself. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone loves it. No one can hold their excitement back because it's time for the Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features of the Week. Uh, And this is two weeks now where yours truly has had to pick the Top 5. I'm starting to think that Nick may have quit the show. Um, you know, like I said, last week was kind of, you just had to do what we had to do. Uh, two weeks ago, I think he did pick it. Uh, but this week I picked it again, which is kind of fun. Cause I already know what I'm looking at. Cause I do these, I guess I'll just give the spiel. If you're new to this segment or you forgot the, uh, top five is chosen via our Instagram account. So at star Wars time show on Instagram, make sure you're following us and then tag us in any and all star Wars related shots particular art-related ones. It could be toy photography, tattoos, traditional art, or as we like to call it, real-ass paint. Um, so tag us and then use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Because every day, even on vacation, yes, I even did it on vacation, I'll get up, I'll go through all the fresh new tags and hashtags, I will share 12 shots that morning, I'll archive any I want to keep and share at a later date, and then that is done all seven days. Then on Monday, Nick usually picks the top five. And then we sit here and have a big party on the live stream, paying respects, paying homage to the artist that made the grade. All right, you got it? There he is. Klondike is in the studio. I gave him credit. The first to guess the secret catchphrase from last week. It was a loyalty test. That only two fans passed, which says a lot about the Star Wars Time Show and how people don't give a shit. And I don't blame you. I need to start learning to not give a shit either. Uh, but Klondike was the first to kind of get the word of the day. And if we did it Pee Wee's Playhouse style, when he said Yavin 4, we'd all go, Yeah! Right? Like Cherry and what was the robot's name? Captain or Cowboy Curtis. I love that show. <sighs> mecca lecca high, mecca hiney ho. Was that Jombie? Jombie the genie? Yeah, but anyways, you gotta watch out. We, we do loyalty tests like that, especially for Super Scoundrel and SW Props. <laughs> Yo, SW Black Series Clips, how's it going? All right, so let's get in here and honor this week's top five so I can get the hell out of here and move on with my life. There's Johnny. He's in here, too. He knows the secret. He got the word of the day. He is a true SWTS hero. All right, so the first shot we got here is, I love this this shot. It comes from one at Funko.Zord. Funko.Zord seems to uh, be one of these toy photographers that I'm assuming started in the Funko Pop space like myself and then wanted more of a challenge and graduated into action figures. Because uh, what we're looking at here, I just, I love this scene. So let me set it up for those of you that can't watch the live stream. Uh, if you can't watch the live stream, you can always pull up the top five on StarWarsTime.net. You'd just be looking for the most recent one. So the shot we're looking at here, Funko Zord has staged 
Black Series figures from the Clone Wars era, in particular Ahsoka's 332nd Troopers with the orange helmets. Rex is in there. Ahsoka as Commander Ahsoka's in there in her blue outfit. Bo-Katan's there. And then you got some Mandalorian loyalists. And what they're doing, it seems they busted out their Lego minifigures, but to them it almost looks like you know, our one six scale hot toys and the two clones, <laughs> the two clones are kind of playing the clone wars. Uh, one of them who's standing up, he, he has Ahsoka. Uh, another one has a 500 first clone and a three thirty second clone. There's some other Lego minifigures laying on the ground, kind of like, a, a due to the battle. Uh, in the background, Ahsoka's looking on, like, what the hell's going on here? Bo-Katan has her hand over her face, like, oh my god, what did I get myself into? Why did I enlist the Republic's help for this job? It's just a, it's a fun scene, it's it's set up well, it's posed expertly, and it, it really tells a story, and, and as I've always said with the toy photography, if you can feel... What is going on? If you can sense what these pieces of plastic are doing, if they were alive, that is, then you've done your job. And, and Funko Zord did that. Uh, in particular, I think the funniest is obviously Bo's reaction, but the two prominent clones. It's, it's almost like the ones taking the figure away, like, no, that's my clone. I want to play with the 500 first guy. You got to play with him already. It's my turn, like that type of stuff. Sorry, I got a five-year-old, and she's back to playing with kids, so I'm kind of getting used to that that type of those conversations with, my, no, not fair, I did it first. But that's what this shot from at Funko Zord elicits. Holy shit, it's, it's, rich, it's received over 4,000 likes just through us. Uh, so clearly even Instagram likes it. But it's just a fantastic setup, super fun, and like I said, just a, a great idea executed with great skill. So make sure to follow at Funko.Zord on Instagram for more killer content. Up next, this is another one that, that did well and, and, and popped with the community. And this is from at DadFett, so D-A-D-F-E-T-T. And I don't know, I love this shot. It's, um, again, if you can't see the screen or you're not watching the live stream, Envision like a like one of the perp walks they would do in a jail where they they line a bunch of suspects into a room. They've got the kind of the measuring lines on the back. They take their pictures so you can see how tall they are. Basically a, a mugshot wall. Uh, but now imagine it with all of the Star Wars bounty hunters lined up with Boba in the middle, his hands, his arms crossed over and his one leg up looking at the camera like, yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? So to me, it's like it's like the bounty hunters kind of got taken in all at once, and they're all getting their mugshots taken, but Boba Fett's looking at them like, yeah, so what? You really going to keep us here? It's just another, again, brilliant idea and brilliant execution. And it's, it's Boba's pose that kind of really sells the flippant attitude of a bounty hunter probably when they get caught. Because uh, he really is just like... What are you going to do? I'm Boba fucking Fett. Even though this is the Bozo version, I'm coming around to that one now because of the War of the Bounty Hunters comics. Uh, but it's also kind of fun because you can see the height of some of these characters. And I'd assume it's to scale. Because um, you got uh, your one boy there with Zuckus. 
not even clocking in at, at, at five feet. I guess that would be me if I was a bounty hunter. I'd be the little guy. Really, this shot, if you're looking at it, this is pretty much how I look in most groups of my friends. I'm, I'm always, you know, they're, they're usual normal height, if not taller, six foot, and then it just drops off when Matt's in a, a shot like this. So, um, But it, it's, a, it's a great idea that at Dad Fett had, and, and really the execution paid off on the idea. So make sure to check out at Dad Fett on Instagram for more fun uh, shots like this. All right, so here it is. Probably one of my personal favorite Star Wars, and it's weird to even say this, fan artist of all time, and that's Daz Tibbles. I know just last week I featured his Bo-Katan shot, like sexy lady Bo-Katan shot, uh, but this week I had to feature his most recent work of art, and it is a work of art. I mean, this thing, what I'm looking at, again, if you can't see it on the live stream, is a a stylized rendition of Ara Singh standing on top of the carcass of Dirge. And the, the colors are just so damn vibrant. They pop so hardcore. It's almost like there's a you know big sun behind her to kind of make her pop off. But even Ara, I mean, God damn, does Daz draw her perfectly. I mean, she just looks great. She looks mean. She looks like a badass. She looks like a, 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 a tough girl. She looks like she definitely just went toe-to-toe with Dirge, who we also know, at least from the Clone Wars, to be a, a pretty impressive bounty hunter, uh, and, and took him out. So uh, Daz continues to just uh, amaze me with his skill. Everything from the, the, the drawing to the illustration of his art is about as perfect as it gets. I hope this man is is making a, a lot of money or at least enough money to live an enjoyable life doing just this type of work because this work needs to be seen by as many Star Wars fans as possible. Hell, by just people that appreciate art. It's 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 beautiful. I mean I mean this is another one that would make a, a badass thing to hang on your wall. I guess we call those posters, right? Or art, if you will. It'd make a great t-shirt. Hell, if you're a huge Aura fan, this is a fucking banging tattoo idea. So, Ad Daz Tibble never ceases to amaze me. We got to get him on the show at some point in time. So, Spencer, if you're listening, if you're not already working on it, let's get this man locked up. We got to learn about his secrets. Is he a magician? Did he sell his soul to the devil like we know Super Scoundrel did? You never know with these real ass painters, but hot damn, is this some good looking art? And then uh, I just I switched. He um, Daz did uh, two versions. There's a kind of a darker version there. I'm showing off now, but damn, I am jealous of you people that have those magic hands, magic fingers that can do this stuff. It's highly impressive. Highly impressive. All right. Up next, we I guess we'll call this a, a, a digital creation, some digital art. And this one comes from at Nicholas Schwetz. We've featured him before. He makes uh, kind of mashes things together to make art. And what we're looking at, it's kind of a, an homage to the final moments in the final season of the Clone Wars where Vader lands on that planet where we saw Ahsoka and the clones crash. And then she kind of had that uh, de facto clone graveyard. 
And what were, it, it's, it's one of her clone's helmets. It's cracked. But in the visor, you can see the, the visage of, of, of Darth Vader, the, the outline of Darth Vader. And it's just, it, it looks real. And I think if I go over to at Nicholas underscore Schvetz account, uh, we can look at how he created it. There's just a different color version, but yeah, here's, he shows some of the process. So yeah, he used just a, an image of the helmet, a snow image, just kind of random, looks like brush stone, some other random backgrounds, and then the back of Vader, and ends up creating his version of what was shown in the Clone Wars. So even on the, on the last image, if you're looking on the live stream, you can see his comparison with what Nicholas did and then what we have from the actual episode. And it's a pretty bang-on recreation, but in my mind, a, a live-action representation of this now iconic scene. So um, big fan of what at Nicholas underscore S-H-V-E-T-S is up to. Uh, I know relatively new account, young person, 21 years old, uh, 2,300 followers now. So pump them up. Keep throwing them some love because they definitely come up with some pretty cool digital mashup creations. All right, kind of st sticking on that theme, the, the finale of the Clone Wars, our final shot comes from at Balanced Bricks. That's all one word, Balanced Bricks, all one word. And if you couldn't tell, this is a Lego account, Lego photography account. And what we get here is, again, an, an homage or a recreation of the scene where Ahsoka has all the helmets on pikes, uh, kind of saying her last words, dropping her lightsabers, just kind of over the whole day, like, what the fuck did I just go through and what has happened to the galaxy? What did, you know, Master Skywalker do? It's a pretty somber moment for Ahsoka and Rex. And what At Balance Bricks did was capture the clone helmets on the pikes with Jesse's being the, the main subject. Uh, albeit they're little Lego minifigure helmets. So I don't know. They just, there's something super charming about seeing these little tiny helmets uh, lined up. And it, I, don't, I don't know if uh, there's an actual Jesse helmet or if Bounce Bricks had to get that made specially. But it looks nice and weathered, and it, it really does sell the scene that was featured in Clone Wars, albeit via Lego minifigures. Uh, and I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of of Legos of building them, but also uh, the the Lego art scene. Uh, Balance Bricks is one of my favorite accounts. Bill's Bricks, you know Ray the zero three zero 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 seven nine AR. Yes, I'm starting to memorize Goofy handles now because I look at this shit so much. Uh, Brick Panda. There's so many, so you know don't take it. Tong Wars, a Sith load of Lego. I mean a lot of good ones out there. Um, but this one from At Balance Bricks was definitely my, my favorite Lego shot of the week. So make sure to give them a follow on Instagram again, at Balance Bricks. All right, my friends, that does it. That does the, uh, the Matt Solo. I, I did beat Nick and the cast we did together. That's all I wanted to do. I always got to be a winner, right? There's, there's no losers in Star Wars time show land. Uh, but that's all I've got to say. I think I've said enough. I've said it all, if you will. I've said it all. Yavin 4, 
to those of you that know what I'm talking about. We speak your names. But it's time to do that dance. And that dance means it's the end of the show and it's time to talk about StarWarsTime.net. Well, why the hell are we talking about that? Well, that's where you can get all of our content each week that isn't just other people's art. Yes, we do a lot of featuring on our Instagram, but we also put posts up about the important Star Wars news of the week. Sometimes you may get some memes that come from our Discord community. Tones is a big memer there, Darth Hideous, and others. So StarWarsTime.net, that's the home base. That's where the content's out if you want to kind of know what we're talking about. Or if you prefer the audio-only version of the podcast, you can come here and check out the posts, look at the images we're talking about. But more importantly, if you're into the audio-only, this is where you can come and subscribe to the podcast. And subscribe, you will. See the finger waving? We need it. Pump up those numbers. And it's not just the sub. The sub's great, right? You're going to get new episodes delivered to you. But what we need as a team, outside of going to manscaped.com and using SWTS on whatever you purchase, we need ratings and reviews on every and all podcast platform we are on. All right, so if you sub on Pandora and you haven't left a review yet, please do it if they let you. Same thing with a rating. I know Apple Podcasts has rating and reviews. I think we're in like the 30s. If you get us close to 100, we'll be bigger. We'll have more fans. People will find us more naturally. And they will be exposed to the main dude and his silliness and yelling like I've been told by my one review on Reddit so far. So StarWarsTime.net, that's where you can find all of our content. But more importantly, all of the links you need to know to follow the Star Wars Time show outside of just Instagram. Make sure to sub to a podcast platform if you're not there. Make sure to subscribe to YouTube and turn on notifications if you're not already doing so. And if you are a diehard and you're not subbed on either platform, we won't call you out. There's no reason to do that. But I want you to take some time personally and privately and punch yourself in the face, okay? Preferably in the nose or the chin right here where the brain jiggles a little bit. Maybe try to knock yourself out. But please, in all seriousness, if you're new here or if you've been here for a while, make sure you're doing the light lifting, which is subscribing on YouTube, signing up for notifications, thumbs up the live stream, thumbs up any video we put out on YouTube, and if you can, leaving a comment to try and drive the discussion. Because in the end, that's what keeps us going, that's what keeps the show growing, and that's what adds more knuckleheads to the fandos all right we love you we speak your names it's good to be back nice to be back doing it live next week like i said nick should be here the full team should be reunited to bring you two plus hours of star wars fan hot take nonsense all right keep spreading the word my friends we appreciate your work with manscape those of you that have uh, kind of graced us with your generosity uh, but me, you know me, I, I, I want the following. Sponsors are fun. They give us stuff, maybe make things a little easier. But to me, it's the reach of the Star Wars Time Show and the amount of people that subscribe to my brand of Star Wars nonsense. All right? I am a, I'm a small man, not only physically, but emotionally. I need 
to feel loved. There's a big hole there for some reason. And I'm trying to fill it with strangers on the internet. That is the true problem with me. And one that will probably take some therapy. (laughs) All right, people, there's always time for Star Wars time. If anyone tells you otherwise, slap them in the face and point them to StarWarsTime.net. That's all I can ask at this point. Because there's always time for Star Wars time. And if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.